Our Favorite Albums is supported by Complete Data Systems, retail software for independent retail stores. Get a free demo at retailprodemo.com. That is retailprodemo.com. Our Favorite Albums is a commentary, criticism, and music review podcast. All tunes are copyrighted and owned by the artist, not us. We just have to tell... (laughs) Motherfucker. We are just here to tell our opinions, which obviously are our own and don't reflect any artist, a sponsor, or whatever. This is Our Favorite Albums. Jason and I are putting together our top 10 songs individually that we'll present as our first two official episodes, but we wanted to highlight some of the songs that were left out just outside of the top 10. Those poor little songs that were that were good enough for us to consider, but just outside of our top 10 that we feel so bad for. Those poor little songs that were left out. Uh, But that's what this is. This is a bonus episode to go through one of those songs that was on my top uh, list but didn't quite make the top 10. I graduated high school in 1995, and I graduated from college in 1999. So I was part of the age group that was definitively the 90s in the truest sense of the term. I was part of the day one native grunge guys. We rose up like like a hateful annoyed phoenix from the ashes of the cock rock cheese dick hair bands of the 80s where MTV wanted us to think that everything was a party out in the street and we were smiling and kicking and wearing our tight leather pants and our big dumb hair. That wasn't us. We were sad and and moody and angry at the world, but not in the same way as our our angst-ridden forefathers in in the late 70s with the punk rock movement. Those guys destroyed everything and and pierced every bit of loose skin that they could grab with a safety pin. That wasn't us. We were motivated, but we were motivated to not do too much. And we were just sick of everything. So (laughs) while the 80s suffered from so much effort and the, the satanic panic and dudes with massive hairspray pompadours and Glamour shot drag makeup that looked like something out of a, a gothic dragon mythos. We wore ill-fitting shirts, t-shirts, baggy t-shirts, and flannel shirts tied around our waist, and maybe old raggedy sweaters that we had found in our grandmother's closet, and weathered blue jeans with holes that sprouted up wherever, and ten-pound Doc Martin boots that somehow seemed to add extra weight to the to the heaviness of our steps as as we trudged through the struggle of life. That was us. That was grunge. And in the early 90s in Dallas, Texas, there was a pioneer. There was a pioneer in alternative rock. And his name was Steve Allison. He was the uh the person who came up with KDGE 94.5 FM or the edge. <laughs> 94.5 Steve Allison was a, a Phoenix radio executive that he and his wife Tara created the very first 
metal syndicated radio station in Dallas at the same time. That was Z-Rock. Z-Rock, 99.1 FM. All I ask is that you keep it loud and keep it on Z-Rock, the world's only rock and roll superstation. That was on one end of the dial. And then at 94.5 FM, that was The Edge. And so these two had an, had an idea to grab on to the indie crowds. Because at the time, Dallas was a, was a hub of, of music. Uh, if you think about the, the late 80s, what was coming out of, of Dallas at that time, you had Pantera, uh, the, the forefathers of an industrial metal, lots of energy, lots of, uh, lots of anger. And then they also had a group that was just as equally angry, but not quite as aggressive. And that was that indie alternative world. If you think if if you were a product in Dallas back then, uh, the group that that hung around at Bill's Records and Tapes at eighty one eighteen Spring Valley Road in Richardson, Texas, uh, you could go in there and you could see people from the Edge, or you could see people from Z Rock. Both of them fit into a record store back before a record store was ironic, uh, like it is now. Back then, that's just where we went to get records. So you either went to Sound Warehouse if you were one of the mainstream guys, or you went to Bill's Records and Tapes. So the edge was where my indie roots were first formed. At the time, because of that, the fact that Dallas was a music hub, you had some of these indie alternative groups that were coming out, uh, like Tripping Daisy, or Deep Blue Something, or the Toadies. And what the edge brought was a, was a feeling of the underground it was a nutrient-rich planting medium for, for seeds of, of youth angst that fueled this grunge movement of my generation. And this new style of music was characterized by, by hard-driving guitar patterns, heavy, heavy bass grooves, and a dominating 2-4 drum beat that juxtaposed to the pentatonic, overly-efforted orchestrations of 80s hair metal that just melted into simple three-chord three structures with meaningful angry tones that weren't so aggressive, lots of arpeggios up and down the uh, up and down the chords, and then deep personal lyrics versus these love ballads that were just so sickeningly, coyingly pukey sweet uh, from from the eighties. We didn't have that. We had uh, we were going through ex existential crisis, and one of the early members of that group of musicians on the edge was a group called Live. They released their album, Mental Jewelry, in 1991. They had two singles from that album uh, that charted Pain Lies on the Riverside. And Operation Spirit, The Tyranny of Tradition. Those were regular tracks played on the edge. And that seminal year 
of, of grunge in 1991. Now, 1991 is an important year in the history of music because that was the year that the three grunge giant records were released. Pearl Jam's 10, Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger, and of course, the granddaddy of them all, Nirvana's Nevermind. Those three albums were all released within a six-month period of each other. And right in the middle of that as well was Live and their album, Mental Jewelry. Live's sound was very front-forward. It was very emotional. There was an underlying anger to their songs, but it came out uh, right in your face. The singer's name was Ed Kowalczyk. He was also the lyricist and wrote most, uh, if not all, of the lyrics. Guitar player was Chad Taylor. The bass player was the person who really drove that that group, a guy by the name of Patrick Dahlheimer. If you go back and listen to any of the stuff by live, you can hear that the bass is really pushing things through. It's the bass that carries everything, uh, that shoulders the, the weight of that group. Uh, then you have drummer Chad Gracie that was so heavy on the twos and fours. Boom, boom, pop, boom, boom, pop, boom, 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 pop. All the way through their songs, he had such a, a well-defined driving two and four downbeat that really was the definitive of what grunge music was all about. These guys seemed so offended. Their music, their songs, they seemed like they were so offended at the world, and they couldn't hold back any more of their, their aggressive denouncement of what they considered to be the source of all their frustration in the world, of the true establishment, and that was religion. These guys hated organized religion. And it wasn't like the normal devil worshiper crap from the 80s. This was, this was well-informed and, and seemingly well-reasoned approach to, to a fight against the establishment. And the funny thing is that uh, if you go back and listen to some of the cheese rock stuff and you go, ah, this didn't make any sense, versus some of the early stuff by live, you go, wow, this guy's, you know, he studied Eastern philosophy. This is someone who's, who's really read this stuff. Man, is he angry. He is so angry. But the lyrics to Operation Spirit were like a, a personal ballad against his own personal enemy. And they went like this. I heard a lot of talk about this Jesus a man of love and a man of strength. But what a man was 2,000 years ago means nothing at all to me today. I'd never heard anything like that, and it scared the hell out of me, and I loved it, and I wanted more, and that's such a perfect example of, of what that early grunge music was all about. But this bonus episode is not about Operation Spirit, The Tyranny of Tradition. Both of those singles uh, on Mental Jewelry, by the way, uh, were, even though they did chart, uh, Live really didn't reach any kind of widespread fame until their release in 1994, the album Throwing Copper. And given my previous introduction to live from Mental Jewelry, I was hooked from the very first time I heard it, and I wanted more. At some point, Throwing Copper will be featured uh, on a full episode of, of our favorite albums, but I'd like to focus on one particular track that landed just outside of my top ten of all time, and it's a song called I Alone. 
Now, the fun thing about this song, and keep in mind, by the way, that Ed Kowalczyk, as he's writing this, he's got a, he's got a little bit of a problem towards religion. I mean, no one's going to to go back and listen to this stuff and say, no, this this guy seems like he's uh, pretty easy going. He's not. He's mad. Uh, he's ready to fight. As a matter of fact, uh, if you ever seen the movie Fight Club, Ed Kowalczyk has a has a cameo towards the end of the uh, end of the movie. He is the waiter. Uh, that approaches Tyler Durden and Marla Singer in the restaurant. Uh, bald guy, waiter that walks up to them. So he was even in in that seminal 90s uh, movie that was talking about fighting against uh, the establishment. So this is a guy who, who had his firm roots in fighting against uh, against everything that uh, that was held sacred at that time. But this song is a fun one because uh, if you think about the song, it is – like a cartoon of a devil on your shoulder and an angel on the other trying to convince you what to do. If you go back and watch some of the old Tom and Jerry cartoons, uh, when Tom is trying to decide if he wants to, uh, to eat the mouse or not, you know, the old trope of having the angel or having the devil on one side saying, yeah, do bad things, or the angel on the other saying, no, 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 be sweet. And I think they also did the same thing on Sylvester and Tweety, uh, where uh, maybe Sylvester was trying to decide whether or not he wanted to eat the bird, and the devil was on one side, and the, the angel was on the other. And you have the two diametrically opposed forces trying to pull the individual in the middle. Well, that's the way I see this song. The angel and the devil on your shoulder, so to speak. The devil is on one shoulder trying to explain his side of the story and how you should live your life and what's right and what morality is all about. And the angel is on the other side trying to explain his side. Both want you to believe their side. But in order to do so, you either have to use your brain or use your feelings. That's what this song is about to me. Now, of course, I may be wrong. Uh, I may be way off in this, but based on my research and based on the way I've always heard this, this is exactly what I, what I love about this song uh, is there's a lot left to interpretation. Let's just go with it, though. Let's just assume that maybe it's the angel and devil. To the lyrics, it goes, It's easier not to be wise and measure these things by your brains. So we're going to start off with the devil. It's easier not to be wise these things by your brains I sank into Eden with you Alone in the church by and by I read to you here, save your eyes You lead them, your boat is at sea Your anchor is out, you've been swept away the devil's the one who's going to start his his sales pitch. The devil says, think about it. Does any of this religion stuff make sense? They're asking you not to be wise. They're asking you not to use your brain. They want you to be lazy and just accept what they tell you instead of what you know to be true. The devil says, I sank into Eden with you alone in the church by and by. He's saying, I was in Eden with you like the story of the snake. Remember the story of the snake in Eden? I was with you in the church by yourself when you couldn't see God. God wasn't around. 
I'll read to you here. Save your eyes. You'll need them. Your boat is at sea. The devil's saying, let me interpret this for you. Instead of you worrying about things, let's try to figure things on your, on your own. Let, let me explain what it is. You worry about living your life. You worry about the struggle and the hard part about getting through life. As evidenced by, the anchor is up. You've been swept away. He's saying, hurry, life is passing you by. Don't waste any more time by buying into this religion stuff. He says, the greatest of teachers won't hesitate to leave you there by yourself, chained to fate. The greatest of teachers isn't even thinly veiled. That's a direct shot at religion. Saying that the one who you believe in the most won't even be around when you're in trouble or when you really need him. That's quite a shot across the bow, right? The devil on your shoulder is, is really saying some pretty inflammatory things about religion. However, the thing we're missing here is maybe the devil might be a caricature of the anti-religion crowd. Maybe, maybe the singer, maybe the songwriter is not trying to tell you this one's right or this one's wrong. Maybe he's saying that the, the, the devil there is the, the big mouth, loud mouth, anti-religion crowd that's there trying to convince people all the time because they're just as loud as the other guys. Maybe it's not the singer agreeing with it, but maybe he's giving the perception of how people try to battle religion. It's always, it's easier not to be wise and measure these things by your brain, is what he says. Listen to the angel on the other shoulder. It's easier not to be brain. Measure these things by your eyes. Belong to be here by his resolve. Long in the church by and by To cradle the baby in space And leave you there by yourself First verse is the... Uh is the devil the second verse is the angel the angel says in verse two it's easier not to be brave and measure these things by your eyes so before the devil was saying it's easier not to be wise and measure things by your brain the angel says "Uh uh-uh it's easier not to be brave and measure things by your eyes Okay, so hold on a second. What you're telling me is I shouldn't believe what I'm seeing and I should just blindly trust through faith that what you're saying makes sense? The angel says, We long to be here by his resolve, alone in the church by and by. So it's it's the strength of religion. That's what we should rely on and not our own self-efficacy? And I can only get it by going to church? Is that what you're telling me? And then the angel says to cradle the baby in space and leave you there by yourself chained to fate. Now, the baby in space, I, I know that here, here in America, we always go back to the, the concept of religion being Christianity because it's what we know. Uh, that's, that's the easiest way to describe it. That's the cartoon that we all know because it's what we grew up in. But the baby in space refers more to the individual being as part of the cosmos. Before you were born, you were a being of light, joined, joined by God in the cosmos, and then you were plucked from that light and then sent to this earthly vessel to live, to, uh, to honor yourself and to experience. And so you're the baby in space. 
However, if you try to get away maybe from the Christianity side of this and look at this more from just a religious standpoint in general, that way it's not focused specifically just on one religion. Think of it as just religion in general. Most of us think of uh, think of the individuals as part of God in space, the baby in space. So the guy in the middle, to the devil and the angel, he says, all these rhythms that you burn all come running back to you. All these rhythms that you hide, only love can save us now. Each side dismisses the other through little quips and cliche sayings. Meanwhile, the whole time, there are huge parts of each argument that are dismissed by the other side. Those are the rhythms that you hide. Instead of providing substance from either side, you look past the obvious and try to rattle off riddles to confuse me, when in actuality, the most simplistic version, to me, realizes that salvation is something that lies within. And then I can save myself by realizing this, that I don't need to be mistrusting of everything, that I don't have to have blind faith in something that makes zero sense to me, when in fact, quote, I alone love you. I alone tempt you. I alone love you. Fear is not the end of this. The fear tactics from the anti-religion crowd and the religious crowd are not the things that make me believe or not believe. In the end, I'm the one who loves myself, and I'm the one who will push myself and tempt myself to do bad things, or I'm the one who must decide if it's right and wrong and serves the common good. What a great song. I love this song so much. The author isn't sure, and he despises the arguments from both sides. There at the end, he just jumps into, yeah, 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 that aggression that comes out, that grunge, that feeling that comes through. That's such a great example of him being fed up and losing control, and he kicks both the devil and the angel off his shoulders so that he can make his own decisions without the two factions deciding for him. Now, you can interpret this however you want to. Maybe it's not about religion at all. Maybe this uh, is just two diametrically opposed sides. I picked religion because that's the easiest thing for, for us to think about. What if it's politics? Maybe it is politics. Don't we feel that way by listening to two vastly different sides of the political forum? Always one is going to be the evil one and one is going to be the good one. Both of which seem to be playing in hyperbole rather than facts and trying to provide actual solutions to our problems. We have one on one shoulder that's telling us, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you what you feel. And the other one's saying, no, it's a whole lot easier for, for, you, to be, uh, to, for you to be accepting and just trust that this is coming this way. I absolutely love love this song. There's so much to this song, so many deep meanings. I, I hope that you uh, you enjoy it as well. This is I Alone. This is live, and it's from 1994's Throwing Copper. I 